That was a nice nap. Now, down to business. I'm a bit worried about the temple flicker in Sector 13. There's a Bicentino refit of the TARDIS to book in. I must just pop over to Center I-7 and then perhaps quick holiday. Right, that all seems quite clear. Just three small points. Where am I? Who am I? And who are you? Jaren Cacophony tells you you're listening to the Power of Three podcast and today it's a podcast we're going to start off with some numbers. So it's the Power of Three with three Scottish people talking about a fourth Scottish person who was the seventh doctor on his 80th birthday this weekend. So we are going to celebrate Sylvester McCoy hitting his, technically it's his ninth decade of life, I suppose. But I think he's been around for more than that. If you go 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 90s, 10s. Yeah, it's ninth decade. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm Kenny Smith. I'm going to be joined by a couple of co-conspirators and they'll introduce themselves in a second. And we will start off with our most northernly contributor tonight. Hello, everybody. My name's Stephen Day. Hello, Kenny. I'm glad you did that mathematical thing. I'll just sit in here and thinking of oh, numbers. I'll just sit quietly. And let's head south a little bit to a man who's sitting across the coast from where Sylvester McCoy was born. Yes, that's right. I'm just a 20-minute ferry ride uh, from from Dunoon in Greenock. So yeah, hi, I'm John Bolan. Uh, it's lovely to be to be back again. Thanks, Kenny, for for having me. You're very welcome. Another number to hit us, of course, is the fact that of all the incarnations of the Doctor, six of them have been played by Scottish actors. Hmm. Hmm. Unpack that one for us. Sylvester McCoy, Seventh mm-hmm. Doctor, Tenth Doctor, well, technically the Eleventh, David Tennant, who then regenerated yeah. into David Tennant. Uh huh. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, we've got Peter Capaldi. And uh-huh. then, more recently, we've got David Tennant. And then, we've got Shooty Gatwa. So, there you go. Six okay. Doctors been played by Scottish <laughs> actors. Hidden somewhere that I'd forgotten about. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Go us. Exactly. So, um, in case anybody from Liverpool is listening, and in particular Lisa McMullen, the big Finnish writer, uh, we're ahead now from your northwest of England significantly. So, yes, we outnumber you lot. Get in. So, there we go. But yes, so Westy McCoy is tonight's topic, or today's topic, given that we're recording in the evening, but obviously people could be listening the morning, the afternoon, early evening middle of the night, doesn't matter. As long as you're listening, that's what matters. So yes, Sylvester McCoy. So John, when do you first recall becoming aware of the actor, Percy James Patrick Kent Smith, to give him his real name? Oh yes. Well, every time here in the podcast, I keep talking about how how old I am and it actually depresses me quite a lot, but I just have to face the fact that, yeah, um, I am of a particular vintage that would remember Sylvester McCoy from Vision On. Uh, so I remember 
Yeah, I remember that back in the back in the seventies, where he was this kind of you know quirky firecracker, full of chaotic energy, doing all of his stunts and things like that. So that's the first time that I would have come across him, and really, it's the only time really that I would have come across him until he, he assumed the role of the Doctor. But yeah, so I go I go fairly far back, but I know he's had a long and, and storied career. Stevie, what about yourself? When was your first encounter with Mr. McCoy or the future well, Mr. McCoy? The future Mr. McCoy, Jigsaw, which was after Vision On, but I also seem to recall him in Vision On as well. Jigsaw, he played one of the Omen, not not that kind of Omen, but you know, <laughs> um, I seem to remember him him and a colleague running around uh, pretending to be superheroes and introducing us to all kinds of things and. Of course, I also remember, and I'm sure this is right, and see if you can get it from the quote, Pete and Ham from Chicken. Do you remember that advert? Yes, it was set in a lighthouse or something like that. Something. Well, I, I can't uh-huh. even remember what it was for, but for, for, for anyone, who, anyone who is listening to this podcast and is not Scottish and didn't watch STV or Grampian Television and see that advert, uh, seek it out on YouTube. And in case you haven't heard it or seen it, here's what it sounds like. This is a great drop of coca leaky, Amish. Aye. She was a fine wee bird, was poor. Best soup I've ever tasted. Aye. She never let us down, even to this day. Promise the eggs, though. What Hamish doesn't know is that his wife uses Nor stock cubes. Simply pour boiling water over a chicken stock cube and you have a delicious meaty base for coca leaky soup without the bones. Ah, oh, it's how she would have wanted it. Aye, I suppose. Nor stock cubes. Good soup and no bones about it. But yes, that that was my that was my first uh, what I remember of him. But I didn't remember. I didn't know him as Sylvester McCoy. He was he was in these things, and he was an amusing, energetic character, or a slightly befuddled person looking at looking at a bowl of soup and hoping <laughs> it wasn't the beloved hen. And um, then they announced him as the Doctor, and I thought, oh, oh well, um, yeah. Another bloke playing Doctor, hope he's good. Yep, because I first, I'm like yourself, Steve, I saw him in Jigsaw because I was too young for Vision On. So I remember no, him in that. you weren't, with, Yes, I was. You weren't. Um, him and you know, Janet Ellis and Paul Clayton, who of course has gone on to become a big Finnish regular in Torchwood. This wonderful gravelly voice, Janet Ellis. And as you say, the Omen, where he was one half of the Omen with David Rappaport, the late David Rappaport. And... Um, yeah, I always, he was always quite funny in that. And uh, Eureka, I'm sure he was in that as well with uh, Madeline Smith. Oh, I loved Madeline Smith. And <laughs> um, and that was before I saw the pictures of her in uh, Live and Let Die. Oh, there's uh, there's one to go and research if uh, if you like um, Madeline Kenny, Smith. Would you like us to leave you alone for a couple of minutes? You're okay. <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. We'll, we'll move swiftly on. Um, but of course, I remember from Tiz was as well when he was uh, in there and just oh. running around, just doing completely crazy things. And I'd say uh, a man just full of energy and bursting with it and something you wouldn't take your eyes off because he was always doing something in the background. Um, and then I, I remember him being announced as the Doctor on Blue Peter when he was introduced by, I think it was Janet Ellis actually, and um, was all excited. And then literally 
the, as soon as like that bit had finished, the phone went and it was my friend Chris McAleer phoning to say, I know who the new Doctor is. And said, yeah, yeah, I just watched the Peter. I know exactly who it is too. Which was nice of him that he thought of me to tell me who the Doctor was. Um, so that'd be what, March 1987 that was. So yeah, all, all fun and games. Then of course there was all the the media coverage that went with it as well. And remember keeping the newspaper cuttings. I'm sure I've still got a few of those somewhere. Um, like, you know, first Scott's Doc in the TARDIS and the Daily Record, that sort of thing. That kind of um, nonsense that uh, that we used to get uh, back in the day. And then, of course, when he arrived in Doctor Who, we had um, Time and the Rani, which was, I suppose, an interesting story in which to make your debut. Uh, John, would you recall any of your first impressions of Sylvester and Time and the Rani? Well, buckle up. I've often mentioned that, that, that some parts of uh, kind of late 80s, early 90s, Doctor Who kind of passed by or at least didn't kind of, um, I, I wasn't following them in real time. There was always a bit of a, a time lag because uh, in August of 87, I moved to Rome and I lived in Rome for a number of years thereafter. Uh, so I didn't see Time in the Rani when it was broadcast first time, I'd, I'd, I'd missed seeing Doctor Who on first showing. So I didn't see any of that season, season 24 was it, until probably about Christmas. I didn't even come home for Christmas, but my, my mum uh, recorded the whole season and sent it out to me. So I didn't get it until, until Christmas. So I, I watched it for the first time in Rome which was lovely, but during Christmas when I should have been at home. So feeling background quite miserable, very nostalgic, a bit homesick. But I was also watching it in a community of about 35 other people who only, we only had one television and one video between us. So I found that I was watching it other people who were, as we've now come to refer to them, not we. <laughs> so I was watching it and getting quite a lot of harsh commentary from from the sidelines so that somewhat colored my impression of that particular story and to an extent that whole first season of Sylvester McCoy because I was getting slagged rotten in any of the little quirks any of the the things that were silly or whatever were being ruthlessly um picked up because it was also at the time that Star Trek Next Generation had, had appeared and there was a lot of uh, unfavourable comparisons back and forth. So, yeah, so my my recollection of it is very much of that time uh, and of that place in my own personal story. Yeah, so I was not alone watching it, and I think to this day I still hear some of those uh, critical and uh, disparaging voices in my ear uh, when I watch the, the Rani and the, the spinning globes and the locations and, and all of that, which objectively I was inside, I was watching it thinking oh, the special effects are really cool you know, and then all I could hear were sniggers out of from, from the corner saying, oh look at those I wouldn't even use the words that we used to describe the tetraps, yes the tetraps so yeah that's my story, but I've taken up enough of the airtime with that, that reminiscence No, that's fascinating, the fact that you effectively got to do a a box set binge, but on VHS all at one go in another country, which I, is, that's amazing. I think that's fascinating. 
Stevie, well, you can are. you beat that? Can I beat it? Well, I watched it live. Mm-hmm. Well, as live as as live as it could be. Yeah. Um, I I remember being a little bit. I mean, it's a bit like I didn't have a I didn't have a heckling audience like John had, but I had a heckling audience of people I knew who I'd see the next day who would tell me exactly what they thought of it. And it's a bit like walking into a whether it's a Star Wars or a Star Trek or Doctor Who, you really want it to be good. You know, you're so desperate to want it to be good that you sometimes miss the fact that it is quite good and you're just worried about stuff. I'd really enjoyed Colin Baker's last season. I thought Trial of a Time Lord was a was a really good thing to do. And you're th- trying to think, in, well, you know, are they going to be able to keep up with this? Are they going to be able to keep up with this? And that was my worry. So I was kind of watching it. And... I wasn't quite prepared for the regeneration. I thought we might get a bit of call and I hadn't I hadn't realized exactly what was going on. So it was all a wee bit of a, a bit of overload for me, I think. And I think I probably didn't enjoy it. Because of that, I was so uptight that it's got to be good, it's got to be good, up to be good. So I I felt a wee bit disappointed by the first episode. I think I've probably I had VHS at that point, I think I probably rewatched it and it was, and it got, well, better. Let's put it that way. But I thought, I thought it was, I thought it was a tough gig for everyone actually because there was a, there was a lot riding on it. The effects were all pretty, I mean, they were pretty good for the time and pretty experimental for the time. But, you know, you could see the work that was put into it. But as John says, you're up against next gen. It's just come out, and we're just coming out. Though I have to say, I'm just rewatching Next Generation, and I'd be watching Doctor Who over the first season of Next Gen because it's actually not very good. And we're talking Next Gen's not very good. Next Gen, the first season is poor. I mean, my daughter's bored. She's not going to make it through the first season. And that'll be her colouring <laughs> Star Trek with that with that particular crayon. But so so that was my that was my kind of introduction to it. But then I had to settle down and just enjoy it for for what it was. And I think I saw the first episode live, and I think the others were all recorded, and I kind of binge watched those, and and then enjoyed it for what it was. Interesting. Perhaps I never liked Next Gen Series 1. I think it's so poor-faced and miserable and it's just Gene Roddenberry's in charge and you can tell. And it's a, this sounds quite cruel to say, but when Gene Roddenberry uh, goes on his own journey, things improve dramatically, literally. Um, that's just my casual observation. Um, but we're not talking about that. This We're talking about Sylvester McCoy. Um, can, I, I think, can, I, can I just add one more thing, though? Mm-hmm. I mean, for the budget... An entire episode of Next Gen. What was it? A million dollars an episode? And how much did they have for four stories? <laughs> an awful lot less than that. They did a blinder, you know? And for Sylvester's first, he worked his socks off. I think so. I mean, for me, when you watch this episode, visually, it is so impressive. Andrew Morgan, great director. It's fast and it's pacey, it's energetic. And it actually, it's, it's got a really good sort of, there's a kinetic energy to it. Sylvester's energy is matched with the cameras and what's going on. I mean, the special effects, I mean, they're fantastic, particularly the bubble traps. They look great. I mean, you look at this early CGI in the opening credits, fantastic. Well, that, Even, that was it. That was it, wasn't it? That, that really kind of woke everybody up because that had never been done before. Yeah. 
CGI titles and everything. Yeah. Um, particularly if you watch the extended version on the Blu-ray, when there's the even more in the pre-credit stuff, which is okay. Some of it looks really, really dated, and it looks like a like the intro to a computer game of the time with a TARDIS flying around through it with grids and things. But for me, it's, it still looks fantastic. Mm. And I think Sylvester, from the word go, pretty much endears himself to you because he's quite warming. People took a while to warm to Colin, but I think Sylvester's got a, a natural warmth and charm to him. And that really came across to me very, very quickly. And um, okay, the script was maybe written for Colin with minor tweaks. So that, um, like, for example, it was going to end with if Colin had done it, he'd have been the one who had taken Beas's part at the end and grabbed, he'd have been the one who was blown up, stopping the Rani's bombs and stuff, and then would have regenerated. But um, it was not to be. There's a lot of silliness in there, but I think given how poor faced Doctor Who had been. It was quite a bit of a welcome change with all the the silly um, mixed metaphors and things like that, which I'm not going to deny that I do quite like Time and Tide Milks the Snowman, <laughs> <laughs> which is immensely childish of me. But yeah, there's there's some very poor ones there, but Time and the Tide Milks the Snowman, I think, is, is still one that works. And, and for me, yeah. well, okay, it's not the greatest story in the world, but I think McCoy makes a good positive impression straight away and uh, you do want to find out what happens next. I think he, um, I mean, we'll probably talk about this later because the Doctor definitely got darker as he went and things we suddenly, we were back to the, the good old Hartnell days of not knowing who he was and what he was doing. But I seem to remember there's an element of that creeping in from the beginning. you kind of forgotten some of the history and wondering, well, what's not everything get, uh, gets explained. Let's put yep. it that way. Yep. So let's uh, pick out favourite McCoy stories what's your favourite one John? I would say although I didn't entirely uh, understand it at the time but I really enjoyed uh, Ghost Light there was just something about uh, the feel of it there was something about um, Sylvester's performance as well Um, I just felt that you know ironically (laughs) given where it fits in the in the story of Doctor Who, uh, that he'd really hit his, his stride and the the relationship with, with Ace was just so interesting and so different that you were seeing the Doctor do something that could be construed as, as cruel as well as kind. Yeah, so I just thought, this is bonkers. I'm not entirely sure what's happening, but I like it, you know. So I would say that's probably probably my favourite of of his story but there's a kind of a an arc the kind of the, the journey that, that he that he goes on in terms of his own stories I think I warmed more and more to his portrayal of the of the Doctor but really seasons 20 um, 25 and 26 I think are among the best of, of 80s Doctor Who definitely Stevie do you have a particular favourite story? I do. I just wanted to say that Ghost Light is one of my favourites. I mean, that's a that's a good bit of Doctor Who theatre. That well, it's a good bit of theatre. Let's put it that way. You don't have to understand what's going on. There's still bits of that trot around in my head, and uh, I think there's a line no longer hiding, which comes oh. in use in our house sometimes when <laughs> when something happens. But my favourite is absolutely the Curse of Fenric. 
I've read, I'm sure I've read Curse of Fenric. It exists as a book, doesn't it? It does. Doesn't it? Good. Yep. Well, not making that one up. Um, I've seen the broadcast and I've seen the extended version. And it's just, and I also, my, uh, my pet thing to do at that time was to record it onto audio and listen to it. And I still have a recording somewhere. And it is, as an audio recording, it works brilliantly. And, uh, okay, Hemophores make up sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I always now look at a church and think, hmm, how defendable is that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> in fact, there's. do you know, if you're ever up, uh, if you're ever up in a place called Kilmelford, if you know where that is, which is on the west coast, very, um, very historic site there. But they have a graveyard built on a hill and they have a church imposing it. Good defensible thing. Just, you know, and I, I keep coming back to that story and it, it was just very clever. He was, he was so uh, dark and mysterious and knowing what was going on and we didn't, but that didn't matter. John, have you ever seen any churches that look like they could be good to place where you could fight off humivores? Um, one or two. Uh, I think there's a couple in large that might combine both that kind of defensibility with the with the threat of Viking invasion. Um, so yeah, um, it's not it's not my first thought when I when I see a church, but um, yeah, <laughs> it's a very pragmatic approach to ecclesiastical affairs. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, blame Stevie. He put the thought in my head. Cracking story, cracking acting from him, and of course, um, I've forgotten his name, Nicholas Parsons. That was I'm just talking Nicholas Parsons. That was one of the weirdest interviews I ever did because I saw in the. I know, I'll keep it short. Don't worry, because um, I saw that it was just a minute. Was it sixtieth birthday? Something must have been about a decade ago. And thought, oh, Nicholas Parsons, this is when I was working at the Rutherglen Reformer newspaper. I thought, oh, Nicholas Parsons, his career in the biz began at Rutherglen Rep. So I phoned the PR woman just for just a minute to say, do you think Nicholas might be up for a quick chat about it? And uh, I get an email back five minutes later saying he's expecting your call in five minutes. <laughs> so literally from within 10 minutes of sending the email, I was on the phone to him. And of course, you know what I did. I asked him oh. about the curse of Fenric. But... Uh, that was an amazing sort of just like I can't believe this is happening sort of moment. It was a Friday. It was must have been about midday, and lo and behold, uh, had Nicholas Parsons. But that's not what we're not talking about. Nicholas Parsons. No, uh, the late Kenny. Nicholas what, was, what, what was your favourite, Kenny? Come on. Uh, well, I love Ghostlight. I'm not going to deny it. It's one of my favourites. Um, not just because Mark Platt, the writer, is a, as a pal, but no, I love Ghostlight. I think it's so clever. Just sort of working in the stuff about evolution and things like that. And so there we go. But yes. Um, I have to. I do love Remembrance. I think it's it's a story that's got everything. Again, directed by Andrew Morgan, so it's really pacey, really fast. Fantastic strip from Ben Aronovich, which is it just bounces along. So you know, episodes one and two, you know, you could edit them into one pretty much a modern day series episode, and you wouldn't need to take out much to keep the the pace of it up. Episode three, it slows down. We get the explanation and things to sort of calm down and then everything layers up already for the, the big boom with episode four as we build up to the climax. And I think it's just such a great story. Um, so yeah, I, I'm smothering because it depends on my mood. If I'm in a sort of bouncy, tiggerish mood of coming from work, then I'd go for Remembrance. And if I'm just sort of like more 
sedate and relaxed, then I'll go for something more cerebral and I'd pick Ghost Light. So that's that's your answer for that one. I suppose it, t- it depends if you wanted unlimited rice pudding. <laughs> I hate rice pudding, <laughs> unless it's chocolate rice pudding. Mm, etc. etc. <laughs> and then, of course, we got him in The Power of the Doctor for a surprise cameo. That was great. Oh, that was just... Oh, that was fantastic. And, do you know, I don't... What is the definition of cameo? He got a wee bit more than just, you know, a face and a couple of lines. And that was nice as well. That was really nice. Did you see it coming, John? Did you know he was going to be in it? No, no, I didn't. And I, I stayed remarkably spoiler-free. So, yeah, that was a nice... <laughs> a nice nod also to the, to the five-ish doctors as well mm, yeah uh, that you know they they did get their, their opportunity to, to shine in their sumptuous what were they called the somethings of the edge guardians, guardians of, the, of edge. the edge that was it yep yeah in their in their lovely sumptuous costumes and um, so yeah that was that was good that was good but one thing that always always struck me is quite interesting when it came out is that extra in the box set where they had the you know the audition tapes that you know his his performance there you know is in a sense so developed and so recognizable in his later stories i know the, the bit of dialogue that it's taken from you know for for uh, was it mel's fit, fit farewell but you know he he plays that in a way which is so different from a lot of the early performances mm-hmm. it just shows you the the fact that yeah this is this is acting wow yeah but, it's there's a there's a skill and there's a method, you know, but there's also that direction there too, and that influences how yeah just play 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 a role. Yeah, I think it's also interesting to note that you know the the famous tank scene where it all goes wrong. Uh huh. You know, there's there's various recordings of that. There's some video and there's one bit of <laughs> unedited audio which I've heard where there's a few expletives uttered by his good self. Uh, he seems to just take control of what was going on there, and he he stopped being a performer. He became part of the crew to bring everyone, you know, not just Sophie to safety, but you know, everyone was in danger at that point if that had gone wrong. And you know, if you haven't if you haven't listened to it in a while, it's worth going back and just seeing the professionalism in there, what he did, how he switched on, how he went from actor to safety to theatre to to sort out a problem, along with everyone else. I'm not saying he was the only one doing anything, but I think that maybe shows you the measure of the man as well, that he's he's not he's not just in it for the cash. You know, there was there was a you know a, a good kindred spirit there in that team. Very much so. Yeah. What a hero! Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and in that case, an absolute hero, <laughs> because you know we could be talking something completely different there. Uh, nobody's fault, but that was a that was one hell of a dangerous situation. That's why we get to have this is a Sophie Aldred's sixty first birthday podcast as well. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> That's very very true. And Anthony Ainley would have been his birthday as well, which is three of them same birthday. That must have been an interesting shoot during survival. Oh, I suppose anything would have been interesting with Anthony Ainley around, but that's uh, another story entirely. Um, very strange, have you man. seen? Have you seen Sylvester's? Um, is it uh, is it him that's doing his collection of, of photos? He's bringing out one a day. Oh, yes. on. Um, on Twitter, or sorry, 
on X, is it? He's bringing it out, and there's a yep. lovely photo of him with Anthony Ainley. Uh, Anthony's um, hands, um, his, his arm round his shoulder with Sylvester, typical, typical um, play it for the camera. <laughs> Go and check that one out. It's hilarious. So, we've talked about the Doctor. Let's have a quick chat about Sylvester McCoy. Now, Stevie, I'll come to you first on this one. Do you remember what you were doing on the the 13th of March, 2018? No. That was when you and I were getting the new Scottish Field website up and running. And we were picking out content we wanted for the first day so that there was a good bit of... There was a, we wanted at least a, something like um, at least 50, 60 stories on there that were brand new, ready to go. And, and one of the first 70 to 80 percent of them featuring something to do with Doctor Who, Kenny. That's not strictly true. It was only two <laughs> to start with. But the first one we did was an interview that had been in Scottish Field magazine with Sylvester McCoy, in which he spoke about his childhood. And the feature, if anybody wants to read it, is Sylvester, in his own words, talking about growing up in Dunoon. And you, if you Google Doctor Who star steps back in time to Dunoon childhood or Sylvester McCoy, Scottish Field, you'll find it. And uh, it's a really, really good chat with him. You're very, very insightful um, chatting about uh, everything there. So it's a, it's a good read. And I hope hope everybody goes and has a wee look at that. It's a shame that audio doesn't exist because that would have made a fantastic podcast in its own right. Yeah. But sadly, it doesn't because I did check several times before I left. So there we go. So, oh, Kenny. I know. I know. The things we do to try and get some good bit, a good bit of clickbait. I'll also, you'll be able to find it in the episode notes uh, for this episode. So a few extra clicks there for Scott Hill. So, John, have you ever met Sylvester McCoy? No, I never have. Uh, the closest I've got, as I said to you at the top of the programme before we started, uh, is that I have taught in Dunoongram, uh, of which he's an illustrious former pupil. Um, but that's the closest I've come. Is there any mention of him in the school building itself? Yes, there's a there's a poster uh, um, or a mural in there in the English and drama area. Dunoongram has a lot of illustrious former uh, pupils, it has to be said, but they're but they're very proud of, of Percy Kent Smith. Who else has come from there? I don't know that this is this is new info for me. I, I always like this kind of thing. Well, it's mostly significant Labour politicians. George Robertson, uh, yep. who was a cabinet minister, Secretary General of NATO. John Smith, who was leader of the Labour Party, and many people thought he would be Prime Minister, but he was taken from us. And others who have momentarily escaped my mind. Yeah, uh, so they're kind of illustrious former pupils. Emma Thompson lives in Dunoon or just outside Dunoon and is uh, a very uh, good friend to the school as well. Uh, she and her husband are, are great patrons and supporters of things the school does. So, yeah. And her dad and her mum and her sister have all done Doctor Who, I think. Oh yes, of course. Uh-huh. With the massacre, Sarah Jane Adventures and I'm sure that her sister did a big finish. So, yeah. Oh, okay. there's- is that a family? So she's really missing out. She should do one. She should do a big finish. It should be. So I'm a little bit distracted because I'm reading Doctor Who Star Steps Back to In Times. <laughs> it's another so, hit, Kenny. It's another hit on the website. Yeah. Make sure you pass this on to my, my successor. <laughs> uh, that uh, If we're all these hits suddenly appear, then it's all thanks to our podcast. So I will have to drop uh, drop Scottish Shield line tomorrow so they know why there's a sudden burst. So. <laughs> We'll do our bit. Stevie, have you met Sylvester or been in the vicinity? 
I, I think I may have been in the vicinity uh, in Edinburgh. I've never actually met him. I'd love to have met him. Um, I mean, there's still time. I'm, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not wishing him any ill. Yeah, I, I think um, during a festival, I am sure I saw him in the distance bumbling past uh, on his way somewhere. Um, he has a very distinctive walk when he's in a hurry, I believe. And that's kind of what I thought, oh, is that, is that? Even if I'd been close to him, I would have never stopped him and said, oh, hello. Because, you know, he's busy. He's on his way somewhere. And he's but, Doctor Who. Well, he's, he's Doctor Who, but, he, you know, he's a busy man. He's got other things to do. It's like It's like any of us. You stop us in the street. You know, and it's like, no, but I've got to get to wherever. Yeah. Well, he's got planets to save. So he has. Yeah. He has. In those rubbish Edinburgh garden shed like police boxes. But there we go. <laughs> now, as um, it will be no surprise to you that I've met him many a time and interviewed him many a time. Uh, first time I met him was in 1994 when I had my student press cards and I was at the Monoptican convention and I lied. So. Please forgive me for that, because I said I was looking to interview him for the student newspaper. I wasn't. I was looking to interview him for Paisley Pattern, the Glasgow Doctor Who group fanzine, um, as mentioned in last week's episode. And um, it was uh, purely to get an interview. So myself and Alan, Alan Morton, who's my friend, and uh, we went along and we interviewed him. So my you know, my student shorthand was going 10 to the dozen, because you know how Sylvester speaks. He speaks like that, and then he's very like this and like that, and like this and like that. Oh, and he was here and he was there and so on. So it was very, very difficult to keep up with 70 words a minute at that point. But um, but he was wonderful. And I've been so lucky to interview him so many times over the years. I mean, I've got you know, I've got his email. And at one time when I was at Scottish Field, when he was in the festival, he was in a show with uh, Robert Picardo from Star Trek Voyager. That's Three, right. four years ago. I thought this would be quite good fun, you know, just to you know, get an interview with him because I knew his birthday was coming up. So I emailed him and uh, within like 10 minutes, he phoned me. It was great. And just sort of like a nice wee chat and just there was a wee bit of extra coverage. And uh, it, was, it was fab. He was a lovely, lovely man. Given me so many good interviews over the years and nothing's ever a hassle. He's just an absolute gent. Somebody who's just, it doesn't matter how old you are, you'll, you'll, you'll chat to everybody. I think it's that Scottish thing, isn't it? That he's... Um, that you'll stop and talk to anyone. In fact, one of my favourite memories really? is actually... I'm as odd as two left shoes. <laughs> Shut up. You're not at all. My favourite, one of my favourite memories ever is um, went to see him, I think it was at Comic Con in Glasgow about seven years ago. And uh, in fact, it was 2014. I remember it because uh, it was just the, the day after Peter Capaldi had made his debut. We went the Sunday and Sylvester was there. So went along and took Katie and Sylvester said, oh, hello, how are you? And uh, had a chat. That's my rubbish Sylvester impression. And um, so I was chatting with him and Katie was there. And uh, could Katie maybe get a picture with you? He said, of course, of course, come around, come around. And he was just sort of, you know, just doing Sylvester, just being made a real fuss of her and made her feel like she was walking in the top of the world. Brilliant with her and um, Sophie and, and Bonnie were there as well. And uh, so there's like, come and say hello to Kenny's little one, come over. And it was just brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> just such a nice man, just knows how to talk to children and adults alike. And um, yeah. how can he be 80? That's the real thing that Scott I, means. I, like, I don't get I it. Can't get, I can't get my head around that at all. He just, he's always, he's always been one of these people of an indeterminate age. You know, I wouldn't have said, even from Vision On days and whatever, I wouldn't have said, oh, he's young, he's this, he's that. And whenever I've seen him, he's always just been Sylvester. Mm. And obviously he's aged a wee bit, haven't, haven't we all? <laughs> um, but yeah, I can't, I can't believe. Um, and, you know, you see him shooting around on video clips and so on at the speed of light. 
Yeah. I get. I mean, I could be wrong. I always loved the Five-ish Doctors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I do get the impression that we're watching more or less. I correct me if I'm wrong, Kenny, but a real Sylvester there. Very much um, so. That, that's, that's very much what, him. That's what I get from him all the way through. Is um, you know a, a great performer and doing a great a great gig, but you know we're getting to know the real the real fellow there. Yeah. One of my other favourite memories of him is the Monopticon convention, the one where I interviewed him. And there was a guy there called Ian Hu, H-U, and he was a musician and they had, he was with a, a group and they had their own version of the Doctor Who theme. And Sylvester came on at night and played the spoons along to it and was you know, dancing around the audience, you know, just literally jumping over people. And he was absolutely knackered by the end of it, but he wouldn't let it show. Because you could see that it was like, you're knackered, but he was trying sort of like to keep up the pretense of sort of, I can do this. <laughs> and um, it was just, it was just fab. Really, really good to see and um, makes me smile. But it's been quite nice in recent years how since doing The Hobbit, he's, he's had a bit of a sort of resurgence and you know, he's done mm-hmm. Sense8 with Freema Adjaman. He's no longer the joke figure that he was once regarded as by many people. Because I remember Tom Baker made a joke because his expense and... Um, have I got news for you? Says so any more of this nonsense? Now regenerate into Sylvester McCoy, and um, everybody was ah ha 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 ha. Because for years he did ha- he didn't have a good public perception, but then things seems to have changed in the last few years. Would you agree with that, John? Yeah, I think so. But you know, I think that for a lot of people, his performance in the TV movie really helped people to have another look at him. Mm. And, and I thought his performance in that was great, and it left you with lots of. Hmm, I wonder what ifs. But I do I do get that sense. Uh, I think it's because a lot of it's to do with the playfulness of his own his own character. He is a puckish figure, but you know, as he as he's shown in in Doctor Who in particular, that he's capable of a very dark performance as well. Things that hint at something beneath the surface. But, but for me, as I said, you know, we're kind of talking about episodes that, that we that, that we liked. For me, he was one of the one of the best things about, about the TV TV movie as well. I, I would agree with that. I think um, had they had they continued with him in the TV movie in that vein, or given us a bit more, I think it would have added more and more. Was there not the tale of the makeup lady saying, "Oh, I wish you were staying You're so good. You know, I wish you were doing more." And yep. um, it certainly my introduction to him doing more serious stuff and darker stuff. And like a lot of actors, sometimes you, you only see them in one role. They're only allowed one role. They are seen or perceived as the impish clown or or the fast-moving, fast-speaking Scott. But sometimes you you are surprised when other when people are let them do something else. Uh, now I haven't heard a lot of his big finish stuff, but have they have they let him become the TV Doctor, or is it still? the 80s Doctor. Oh, very much. They've evolved him. There's different eras. There's, you know, they've done new adventures adaptations, so it's carried on building on that. They've done ones that are season 24 where he's slightly more crazy. They've got the sort of, you know, the the, the evolution into the darker Doctor with some season 25, 26 type stories. They've got season 27 where they introduced the new companion Rain and how they would have done it if he'd carried on for a fourth year. And yeah, there's something there, you know, sort of whatever your mood, whatever sort of McCoy you're looking for, you'll find them. They've got um, high comedy, high drama, and he's done some amazing stuff. Uh, Unit Dominion is something I'd recommend. It sort of, it, it feels very similar to his 
for sort of season 26, but also you can see they're going into the sort of the TV movie, the stillness that he has at the end, which I think is when he's just sort of, he's sort of such a restrained performance, sort of just like a man who knows yep. he's running out of time and sort of, I'm not fighting it anymore. I'm, I'm just doing it. And oh, I very nearly gave away a big finished spoiler there. But yes, that's going to be very exciting. And uh, I'm working in the preview for that at the moment. And it's really, really exciting. So there. Uh, but no, I I really, really enjoyed him. And I think um, and the fact he's been doing you know, a lot of theatre as well, being critically acclaimed around the world, which is lovely to see that yep. um, a wee fella from Dunoon's doing all right for himself. Yep. And um, that play, not the play, the film that uh, I saw this Christmas, the shot up in Glencoe, remind me what it's called, Fraser Hines as well. Is it Home for Christmas or...? That's the one, yep. Oh, that's the one, is it? Home for Christmas. And, you know, again, small part in that, but, you know, really, really good. It's so nice to see him. Um, and you, you probably all go, oh, look, there's Sylvester. And then you settle down and you, and you watch. And now, my daughter was wondering, but I don't see another window opening. She said, Dad, what are you doing on your podcast tonight? I said, oh, we're talking about Sylvester McCoy. Oh, is he going to be there? So Kenny, have you just got him hiding in a hidden room? Is he gonna is he gonna break in and give a rendition on the Actually <laughs> Presenting special guest in plastic form, it's the it's the season twenty four twenty five version of Sylvester, uh, with the hat on and the goofy smile action figure. It's I'm afraid like, that's as close as I can like, get us tonight. It's like he's in the Zoom room. <laughs> it is. Um, something I should also mention, there's a comedy series that some of our listeners may not be aware of called Still Game. And of course, Sylvester guested in that. Did either of you see him in there? No, I've never seen him in that, actually. No, me neither. Oh, he plays a very reclusive, a sad game. character. And, the, you know, the gang are trying to bring him out and, you know, get him out to be happy and jolly. But he's he's just, you know, he's, it's quite an incredible performance from him when you think he's... It's, it's, it's wonderful. It's If you only ever watch one episode of Still Game, that's one that I would recommend. Um, track it down. That's a bit too close to real life for me, Kenny. So. <laughs> probably quite an uncomfortable watch so okay i might pass okay we've given our thoughts we've also got um somebody who wanted to give his thoughts tonight but couldn't join us is dave uh dave Steele, our erstwhile friend so we're going to listen to him because he sent me some thoughts because he's a big mccoy fan and delta and the banner men is one of his favorite stories of all time ever so here's dave i love sylvester i love the seventh doctor i kind of drifted away a bit from doctor who during 1985-1986 early 1987 because it wasn't really on very much which meant a lot when you were 10, 11, 12 however old I was Um, but when Sylvester was announced it was very exciting and my sort of anticipation for season 24 which started in September 1987 grew and grew as the year went on and I remember um, you know it reaching almost fever pitch by the time time the Rani Park 1 went out and I, I took to Sylvester straight away I still love season 24. It's so fresh, it's so energetic, it's a team really making an effort to make something fresh, for want of a better way of putting it, and engaging. And I think people at Sylvester and Bonnie and Kate and Mara, they really give it their all. And it's no secret that one of the stories in season 24, Delta and the Bannermen, is my favourite Doctor Who story of all time. And a big part of that is because of Sylvester. There are a few scenes in particular where I think he's just amazing. There's the scene in part one where the, the child gives him the apple in the sort of cafeteria and the Doctor goes to take a bite, but Melanie keeps putting her hand 
on his arm to stop him from doing it and you can tell he's getting frustrated but it's also important that he listens to Melanie and I love the way Sylv plays that you know it's, I'm, I'm miming it for the benefit of our YouTube viewers it's very very funny but then there's also the scenes where he's really compassionate towards Ray because you can tell how much she cares about Billy and how that she's not going to get Billy equally there's scenes where he's you know empathic towards Billy with everything that he's got going on and then end of part two when he confronts Gavrock He's amazing, you know. He's he gets a lot of criticism for his first series from being very clown-like, but that's really only in a few scenes at the start of time in the Rani when he's when someone who's six foot plus has gone to being someone who's five foot plus and isn't really sure of what he's doing in that new body. But the scene where you know Sylvester confronts Don Henderson is amazing. You know, he's so firm and so brave, and that's what I like about him. He's a touch of the magical twinkles. And he's really brave, and this sort of side of him kind of he kind of evolved out of it in a way over the, the three years he was a doctor, which I felt was a shame. There's hints of it in Silver Nemesis, though, and hints of it in Battlefield that he's still the same, the same man, you know, the same the same doctor, if you like. Um, and of course, because of the new adventures, Sylvester's Doctor continued really all the way up well into the nineties. You know, he was the Doctor for nearly nine, what nine, ten years, something like that. And it was great when he came back in the TV movie, and it was so sad to see him go, but he looked so smart, didn't he? I've met him a couple of times over the years. Um, the first time was at a, a convention in Paisley in 1993. Well, John Nathan Turner's event in Paisley in 1993. Um, I got a photograph with him in his costume at the Battlefield Convention in Coventry in 2000, which was amazing, because I remember sitting on the stairs in the hotel in the queue for someone else's autograph, and Sylvester McCoy went up the stairs sort of saying, hello to everyone, and then about ten minutes later, the seventh doctor came back downstairs and I was like to my pal Tony Tones I need to do it so I went and joined the queue to get my photograph with Sylvester in costume and he was kind of playing the doctor you know they opened the door and let me in for my turn to get my photo taken in the studio and he went ah how nice to see you again and and he sat there perched on the stool in full costume and it was incredible so 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 special the last time that I saw him was in February 2018 when I had the privilege of being his sort of um, what's the word steward, bodyguard, chaperone at Capital Sci-Fi Con where for two days I sat beside him and took his autograph money and kept an eye on him whilst people come up and ask him questions about Still Game and The Hobbit and all that sort of stuff and and he was great just seeing what he was like with all the different all the different fans, all the, the people who um, were generally starstruck by him and, and the kids who were just taken by him, I remember one little boy in the red jumper who just gazed at him the whole time and his, his parents did all the talking and Sylvester sat and burbled and, and did the thing where his hat pops up at the back for this little boy who was just entranced and I remember saying to him as this little boy wandered away just gazing back just not quite able to to grasp the fact that he was looking at um was it Radagast was that what, was that what he was called and I said oh you're my hero Sylvester McCoy and he laughed and said why and I said just cause because he you know I think he's one of these actors that he's really there's there's not it's a performance that he gives. He's not someone that's really you know. For, you know, people say that you know Tom Baker was one of those doctors that kind of gave you know himself rather than a performance. And I think Sylv's very underrated for his performance as the Doctor. There's some excellent big finish stories like We Are the Daleks and Red Planets, where he, you know some of the more recent ones where he's he's really captured it. But in in real life, although it's very he's very different from the Doctor that he played on screen, he still has that, that sort of 
magical mercurial quality which you know I suppose he's developed through his whole life and sitting with him those two days was just amazing if you told 14 year old me this would have happened you probably wouldn't have believed you but no I love him to bits so yeah happy birthday Sylvester thanks for that Dave thank you for sending that in and uh, I'm sure we'll see and hear from you very soon so other any particular other Sylvester moments that um, have struck you over the years I was going to say that I enjoyed him in Rent-A-Ghost, but he was never in it. <laughs> I was con- I was convinced for years he was in it, and I did my research before the show, and uh, no, no mention of him in Rent-A-Ghost. I don't know who I was thinking of. It seems like a likely thing he might be in, yes. but no, no. Was he in Rab C at all? Yes. Or again, am I he played. That? I think he played, was it Rab's brother or something like that? I'm right. sure, yes, I think you're right. I've forgotten that, yes. And and he wasn't in City Lights, was he? No. I, no, no, no. Scottish comedy shows here, listeners, for those oh, of you sorry, who aren't I'm aware. not really putting it in context, am I? <laughs> yeah, they're all um, incredible performances. Just, he comes in and um, does one performance. And so, I'm sure he was Rab Nesbitt's brother. I think you're right. That's, yeah. It seems bit of casting but I think you're right it does ring a bell it does ring a bell but yeah it's it's been fun I've, I've enjoyed chatting about a celebration of our first Scottish doctor whose birthday is of course the 20th of August which is yeah. this Sunday as we speak and depending when you listen it may be this coming Sunday it may be today it may be last week it may even be last year that's the wonder of the podcast Ooh, you never know when why me very appropriate isn't it it is it is indeed. Happy so yes, birthday, I... Sylvester. Or happy past birthday, Sylvester. <laughs> yes, don't mention what year it is, because then we can just dump this podcast again next year <laughs> and share it. Except all the mentions of 80th, just add one to it when you're listening yep. mentally. That would work. That would work. So there we go. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. It's been fun as always. Been a pleasure to talk about such a nice, a nice chap. Indeed, indeed. And the thing that I like, you know, talking about our favourite moments there are so many bits of his performance of the Doctor that I I, I grew up but I just think the fact he's obviously such a big fan of the show as it is now and he's so you know he he posted all those messages locked down and congratulations to to Shruti Gap and so on he clearly takes pride in in the show and in his part in it and I think that's 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 just lovely, I think, to to see. And I think, yeah. as Kenny said, with the fans as well, he's just he's just brilliant. Yeah. And um, that's that's what the show needs as well. You know, it's as people are so invested. Yep. Within it, that want to share and and understand how important it is to others. Yep. Well, there we go. Happy birthday to you, Doctor Who, number seven. At least there's no arguing about what number Sylvester is, or is there? <laughs> and. Uh, Yes, we or can, is uh, there? Oh, wait a minute, Kenneth. How how far back in time do you want this edit to go? Don't. Just don't. <laughs> is he the seventh or is he the eighth? No, he's definitely the seventh. He's and definitely. Are we, are we talking Brain and Morbius here or a Joe Martin? That didn't. That just don't 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 give me a headache and don't get me into trouble. <laughs> John, John, John. I think I've broken. Yes, I know. I know. I can see this as a the trembling is. There was a visual uh, moment oh, there, was listeners. That the fourth that, Doctor Kenny. 
Yeah. Yes, that was that was <laughs> yeah the fourth doctor. Yeah, all those digits. You, that you started with complicated maths. We've now introduced you to imaginary expansive doctor maths. <laughs> yeah, just I'm just glad we didn't bring in block transfer computations because then I would be completely stumped because. I can do maths for expenses. I used to be able to multiply things by 0.45 really, really well uh, for expenses purposes, but beyond that, uh, no. So there we go. Entropy, Kenny. Entropy. They've all got it. Entropy. No, that's infamy. <laughs> Quite. So before we depart, Dr. Bolin, I believe you may have a question for me. Well, let me just have a look. Let me just consult my very detailed scripts. Coming uh, off Stevie's one lovely background that we haven't commented on. Uh, me go blank a couple of times. Yep. Well, final thing, yes. Kenny, what are you going to be playing us out with this episode? What do you have up your musical sleeve? Well, we have several options, actually, John. Um, oh. The first one was a song that I actually got Sylvester to sing when he was at a convention in Glasgow at Army of Guests because I asked him where the name came from for Sylvester McCoy because there was Sylvester McCoy, the human bomb, an evening with Sylvester McCoy, the human bomb, a play in which he appeared with Sylvester McCoy appearing as Sylvester McCoy. But there was another story that he got the name from the real McCoy and a song, Sylvester, which he sang at the convention. So I was thinking I could maybe run with that, but I don't want to because I don't like it. I was going to go with the real McCoy song Another Night from their 1994 album Space Invaders which is featured on Top of the Pops on Friday Night BBC Four Repeats but I'm not going to go with that either. Instead I thought we could do with a bit of high camp energy so I think we should go with Sylvester and you make me feel Sylvester I was about to say that feel mighty real. Yep there we go. So that's what we'll go with. So yes we'll hear that in the background now. So John thank you so much for joining us Thank you. It's been a pleasure as always. Stevie, it's been great with unlimited rice pudding and yourself. Etc, etc. I'm off to find my spoons. <laughs> and my chicken. Being ham. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. And Sylvester, happy birthday once again. Happy birthday, Sylvester. Many happy returns, Doctor. I've been Kenny Smith and we'll be back very, very soon. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.